0: earth, Father, for our turn in our season with the generation, Father, that you, what, you put us into this place for this this moment, for this this time. So we honor you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for your testimony. I thank you for every heart, as unique as they are. And I thank you for agreement and oneness above all else and the bond of unity. Don't let it rip. Maintain it. Not through compromise, seated up front. Well, good morning, all. How are we doing? We're doing all right? Welcome. Uh, You know, some of you were at the matinee service a little bit ago. Now, this is the real thing. Okay, so I really appreciate you being here. I want you to turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and uh, uh, Luke has done a really good job uh, through uh, laying out the fundamentals of what it means uh, to uh, experience uh, God's equipping and how he how he chose to do it, how he chooses to do it. And what we're we'll finding is is that we're not just exploring history. Like here are the facts, so here are the situations. 1492. All right, and in uh, Jerusalem, I have taught uh, Old Testament a number of times, and, uh, um, and it's amazing how so many of us don't know kind of the place that God's uh, bringing creation and bringing this testimony of Christ really fits in with reality of the world. God's reality is greater, but uh, sometimes we, we just think it's kind of a floating history out there and it's unrelated. It's interesting that they just discovered uh, I can't remember the city in particular uh, that uh, was never discovered, I mean it was in the Bible, Ziklag, or some, uh, some city David occupied uh, and they thought it was uh, that, that was never in the record of history but they found it, and guess what, there it is. Uh, but I'll tell you what you know, you could pull Noah's off, Ark off of Mount Ararat you could take it down through New York City and people would still say ah oh, nah man that's not real <laughs> right. because the testimony that God is imparting to us is a testimony of the heart it's a testimony of the change of a human being to be reconciled to God but it also is this reconciliation that brings us to a place where God in that relationship unites us with his purpose and what his plan is for what he wants. Isn't that a crazy thing? You know, we go to school, we do all these things, we get all this preparation, and yet we find him and we find out that we're what? We're a part of something so much bigger than us. And He unites us in such a way that that we don't pick and choose from what we like. We're united because it becomes, Jesus said, that his food was to do will of his Father. I mean, what's that sandwich taste like? What's that burrito of his food, of doing his will? Man, what does it look like? What does it taste like? Because he said he was what? It was his food, but also, man, he was here to accomplish what God sent him to do. Jesus was so in unity with the Father. There it wasn't a good plan that he thought, man, this is what God wants, I'll do it. It was a plan where, man, his willingness was such a part of fulfilling that plan. You know, we can look at Moses, man, great testimony, or Gideon, or Jephthah, or, or, or go through the Old Testament, New Testament, the whole cloud of witnesses in the 11th chapter of Hebrews. But I always come back to the testimony of Christ on earth. What? what? That's the perfect That's the perfect testimony. And in that, he's provided us something that not only connects us to a history, but he connects us to a heritage. He connects us to a lineage that we could never have in any other way. If you look with me at the fourth chapter and the 14th verse, uh, he's just... He's just talked about these gifts as Jesus ascended that he gave to the church for the equipping of the saints the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. These uh, are not mighty gifts that men have, they're mighty gifts that Jesus gave. And it's the his character. This is his character. The apostle and high priest of our family, Jesus, he was a prophet, he's a teacher. He's a, Certainly, John 10, he's a pastor. And man, he, man, he's obvious. That he's an evangelist. He's all these things. But our model for so long has been Pastor Joe, and Pastor Joe does this. Pastor Joe does that, and pretty soon, Pastor Joe, maybe Pastor Joe does a great job. But that testimony is only like one fifth of the character of Christ. If Pastor Joe is is, is devoted to caring for sheep. But so often Pastor Joe gets so full, so busy, so so caught up in the business of the church that the caring for people becomes more and more distant. It's given to other people. It's given, but that, that shepherd's heart. Even Paul, every gift has a, has a sense of shepherding. Paul said, man, we not only share with you publicly, but man, we brought it house to house. He wasn't selling like, like Amway. He wasn't t- convincing people. But he was sharing with them, this is God's purpose. And there was this change that began to take place. So this equipping, in in verse 14, we're going to do a a little lead in here, in verse 14, so we get to verse 15, which is our text for today. But the first three words of of, uh, 14 are, as a result. As a result of Christ's giving, as a result of unity, as a result of one faith, one baptism. As a result of him giving these gifts to influence, to equip, every part of the church should be influenced by the whole character of Christ. And then the believer is to be so benefited, there's a result. And the result looks less like being fragile or brittle and begins to have a solidness to it if all the brittle and fragile was out of our life in relationship to the character of God, the person of God, what would that do to our energy level? What would that do to our being able to go through a trial and count it all joy? What would that do to my neighbor? What would that do to a co-worker? What would that do with somebody I I happen to have a, a, a moment with? Uh, at uh, at uh, Walmart what would happen what would be different about this this the the neighborhood the the, the city I live in the, the the state what would be different? He says as a result, the fragileness has been what equipped out of you you've been equipped to the place where there's no longer a a guess and a no a surety and a maybe a fear and a faith there's been something that 's that's established this believer, and it doesn't mean they're perfect, and it doesn't mean they stop growing. It means that now they have the capacity to not only grow, but they have the capacity to build something. Most Christians don't know how to build anything. In terms of the sandwich, the food of doing his will. As a result, we'll no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and Carried about my every wind of doctrine. I saw this happen as an early as an early believer, my early life as being a believer. I just saw the doctrine. You know, Here's uh, charismatic Joe Blow and amazing uh, Patrice and, and, and people began to define the work of the Spirit kind of in, in regard to kind of how they saw it. And they would draw people out of themselves, and man, I saw the, the Holy Spirit step out the momentum ceased because there was a, wait a minute, I can't bless that. I can't bless disunity. I can't bless a party spirit. And he says what? "By by By the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Sometimes we can have more of a soul tie to a leader rather than what? An equipping relationship. If that leader is drawing you to, this, to himself, that they then become this glue between your relationship with God and you, man, that's unhealthy. How can we ask people to be willing to be equipped if the end result is that they man we tie at the hip to us? and that's unhealthy. Even in raising our kids, we can't do that. We can't vicariously live our life out through our children. We get them ready. We get them grounded. We get them them connected. See, I I went to church because I got saved. My kids went to church because I got saved. It's a different process for them. But it becomes something that, man, we lay that foundation. And we we bring to them the Word. And then they, 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 they push it all together sometimes, all right? I I don't often have hair on my face, but that was kind of interesting. Right there. <laughs> uh, they push it all together. Luke, at five years old, was in the kitchen underneath the chopping block. Pretty soon, he's, his, his uncles all were rodeo cowboys. They were all bull riders. Pretty soon, he kind of smushed it all together. Here comes Jesus on a shoot number three on his donkey. They kind of smoosh it all together, right? And it becomes to them that childlike faith. They don't believe just because you believe. They believe as you share it with them that man. And again, children. God begins to work in that little, in that little heart. The uh, Christian life is the only life that doesn't require a license or a particular age. No, God uses children. But then in verse 15, there's this man that says, like gigantic word, but. but he's saying since we're not being influenced by doctrinal. Wins. And we're not being pushed around by deceitful scheming. Now, instead of doing those things, what now is we're going to speak the truth in love. And we're going to what? We're going to, we're going to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head of Christ. And just the first little bit of 16. From whom the whole body, from whom the whole body. My body has a real sense of my body. But the body of Christ has more a sense of individualism than the whole body. And we see that because our cities remain unchanged. but sometimes churches get into just survival. You know, we've got to get people there so we get money, so we get people there so we get money. Not because that's an evil intent; We're going to do good. But the economic engine becomes something. Survival becomes the issue. But if we're free from that what? That brittleness. And if we're free from what? That, that being fragile. Then what Johnny did years and years ago, he started sitting down with pastors in Fort College to say, man, can we do two things? Can we what? Pray for each other. Can we pray for our city? And now there is a pastoral unity in the city that transcends denominations and transcends. Uh, saving yourself and survival goals. And after 30 years of them caring for each other, praying for each other, spending time, getting to know the other other person, man, those walls have come down. It's a beautiful thing. You don't see it very many places. Um, But it's supposed to be everywhere. So let's first take the middle of verse 15 where it says, we are to grow up. That's the title today. You ever have a say that to you? Well, Rick, it's time for you to grow up. Right? When I quit college after one whole day, my parents thought, listen, all right, our son is now mentally out of it. My dad was so mad. My mom, she was crying. Well, what are you going to do, smart boy? What's your plan? My plan is to sell up everything I have and go to Alaska. Oh, that did not go down well. That did not. So six days later, I was gone. Didn't know anybody in Alaska, never been to Alaska, never ridden on an airplane before. I was looking for something. See. I was looking for something. I wasn't looking to join a club. We, we need to do a better job with babes in Christ, people that are fresh into salvation. We need to do a better job. And a better job is not stuffing steak down their throat or Calling them to acquiesce, yes, it's good to bring them to church, but they sit next to us, and if we don't interact with them with some foundation of knowing Christ now that they what, believe in Christ, they can just acquiesce to what we do. And pretty soon they stand when we stand, they sit when we stand, when we, the language is the same we think. Brother Sarah or, sorry, brother Sarah, Brother uh, Joe and sister Sarah man they're really growing. No, they're acquiescing. They're just learning a culture. But they're not, they're not becoming intimately acquainted with the person of Christ. They're not learning Christ, as it says earlier, or a little bit later here in chapter 4. He's saying that there's something that needs to happen that's called the milk of the Word. The milk of the Word. And we think it's the church's responsibility to help them but we're the one that invited them. We're the one sitting next to them. Isn't there something basic of what Jesus said about being his learner that we could help them with? That we could get into their lives a little bit. It's inconvenient. For those of us who have had kids, it's inconvenient to have children. Right? You give up sleep. They don't speak English. Right? <laughs> uh, they... they they don't care if the bills are paid. They don't. They don't care. They don't care if you sleep. They don't. They they, they just sit there and smile. Right? right. They've never paid a utility bill. None of that. They're just they're, they're they're babies. And so what? We devote ourselves to their what? We're shocked after the first few months they're still alive. To be honest with you, the first one. We're shocked they survived because we know nothing. But then what? There begins to be this, wow, this developmental thing that happens. But it's because they have the right nutrition early. It's because they have a care early. Listen, babies are messy. Listen, you know, some new parents, they say, Yeah, somebody gave us 150 new diapers, man, a little pack, big package up, man, we're good. You're good for like two days, <laughs> right? You're basically good for 24 hours. But there's something about the preparation of these children that, man, we just step into it. We let it inconvenience. But for folks, we would be as inconvenienced with the children of other parents as we are with our own kids. That doesn't mean we're out to say the whole. Jesus came, the Savior, God in the flesh, devoted Himself to twelve human beings. Took him. Took him years walking with them, of talking with them. They said some crazy baby stuff, didn't they? They said some crazy baby stuff, didn't they? They did. He didn't kick them out. He brought them the truth, see? He didn't want. Say there's a there's a tryout, man. He, he was on his knees asking for God. Man, give me the core. Because with the twelve... Man, we're going to change the world. We're going to change it. He didn't leave the crowds out, but man, he draws us to that intimacy of discipleship with you. Health is as a result of maturity. It's a maturity issue. The outcome of being equipped by the whole character of Christ becomes a measurable Christ-like maturity exercise the stability and integrity in speech and behavior listen sometimes we we, we equate maturity with knowing stuff listen the purpose of the person the the purpose of, the, <laughs> see I got home at 2 a.m I just get man I you are take you are taking the brunt of it all right. The person on Jeopardy who wins everything, you don't necessarily want them as an employee. Why would I say that? Because there's a difference between trivia and the application of what you learn. Trivia doesn't mean it's unimportant things. I mean, the person on Jeopardy, I'm not doubting them. They're very smart people. But man, they know a lot about a lot of things. But maybe not a whole lot about any specific thing. Christians, we know a lot of stuff. We do, 66, 66 books of the Bible, 1,500 years, 40 authors now, three continents, okay? We know all these things, but our neighbors don't know who we are. And more importantly, man, we don't know them. We have a view to when we're on duty as a Christian and a view to when we're what? Off-duty. Homeless guy shows up at our church downtown. He fills the door in the dimensions. I just hear this person that asks, Oh, man, you need to talk to Rick. I talk to him. He's so confused, so confused. Big guy, big, big white beard, hair, white. Man, just a gigantic dude. And he's homeless, and I'm thinking, how does he get under the car to sleep? There's no way this guy's getting under a car. There's no way a park bench is going to work. He was, the, he was the worst homeless guy ever. If there was a competition for best homeless guy, he wasn't even on the run. He was terrible at it. And he was so confused. He couldn't think or remember how he got four columns. So I sat down and talked to him a little bit. How big were his needs? Bigger than him. No place to live. No food to eat. <coughs> clothes on his back. And I'm thinking, man, let's just get him the basics. You ever do that? You try the temporary thing. Let's try this. Let's try that. Let's try this. Let's try that. And all the time, you're dealing with the temporary nature of it. It's wearing you out, man. And they don't. It's hard on them. So here's what the Lord told me: Take him home. I want you to tell this man that you want him. But God, I really don't want him. Well, then you're going to have to tell him that I want him. Julie, I've done this a lot of times over the years, all right? And uh, Julie was like, "Maybe that season is past." And yet, so I called Julie, "Man, what do you think? How long? That few days? I don't, not sure. Well, it was seven months. <laughs> oh, it's funny now, right? There's something about this inconvenience. I got a call from his nephew. His nephew said, "Listen, is there a, such a guy? I mean, you're..." you're I don't know how he found out about who I was or anything, but I'm taking care of this guy. His, name was, uh, his first name is Rick. I said, Yeah. And he said, Man, I'm his nephew. I'm from California. Man, is he okay? I said, Yeah. I mean, relatively. And he started telling me about his uncle. His uncle had 300 employees in his business, he had a billion dollar business. He was the pillar of their family. And he started experiencing dementia early. And in order to compensate for what he wasn't remembering, his competence went downhill. He started smoking marijuana. Like like, like a mountain of marijuana. And man lost his family, lost his marriage, lost everything. Man, man, oh man, speaking the truth of the world, we grow up. When do we grow up? What's the part that grows us up? There's nothing wrong with the classroom, but there's something about the life of Christ, this ability maturity means what? An outcome of being equipped by the whole character of Christ is a measurable Christ-likeness, measured by the stature of the fullness of Christ, and it's exercised in our everyday life as stability and integrity of speech and behavior. We become connected and reconciled to Christ in such a way that we don't actually do the best for Him as Rick Richter, We do what He's doing about this situation. That we see what's happening, not from our own perspective, but we see from what He's seeing. Man, so many Christians in our world, they want to spend time with Christ and look upon Christ. I think that's awesome. You cannot spend time with Christ and not see what He's looking at. You can't. You can't spend time with Jesus and not end up being so exposed to what he really loves that it becomes what you love. You can't spend time abiding in Christ and abiding in his word and not begin to see the world as we live it from his perspective. And our wants and our desires begin to shift and change. And we begin to pray for the big things. We begin to get out of what? The enemy of great is good. The enemy of good is I want to just be okay. We miss out. We miss out on growing up. Because we adjusted along the way to somehow fit into the American lifestyle. The kingdom of heaven is not like any culture on earth. It's not. It's not best exemplified in the Philippines. It's not best exemplified in Europe. No, it's best exemplified in the person of Jesus Christ. That's where this kingdom is personified. And what he wants to do is he wants to give it to you. And as we believe in him, listen, none of us got to Christ because we had such a burden for him, even though we might have had a burden to be reconciled with God. But we got to God because God was at work bringing us to Christ. And Christ did his work that reconciled with the Father. That's the only way you get to know him. That's it. There's no other way. And you remember those times when he was searching for you? He was looking for you. He was connected with you. Man, you remember it, Man, I do. Vivid. And at first, I didn't recognize it was all it was him. I didn't recognize it at all that it was him. But man, the things that began to happen were so out of character, were so un... uh, uh, They weren't in keeping with anything I had experienced before. And I had no box for them. I had no place to put them. You had that experience too. But when I began to realize that it was him, I kept thinking, okay, now how do I respond to this? What's he looking for from me? How should I... All he wants me to do is turn around. Just turn around. He's right there, just turn around. That faith, you've been saved, what? By grace through faith. And we find as we turn around, he's exactly who he says he is. And all the burden and the sin comes pouring out, not in regret, it comes pouring out in what? Repentance. And we're genuinely broken to the point where, you know what? I can't carry this old man and become a new person. I have to get rid of this old person to become a new person. And it's all through faith. Growing up, Christ is the aim and the goal of our growth. Jesus in John 14, 6 said, He said to him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. You know, those people that study the Bible because they want to see how they can have a good relationship with angels or with the Father without Christ. They do. There's a whole movement in our nation, maybe in the world. that's about that. Listen. It's not going to happen. Because he says that growth, maturity, It's an outcome. It's an outcome of being what? Immersed, influenced, changed by the whole character of Jesus Christ. It's not about Pastor Joe being it all. It's not about a dynamic church. Hey, we worship, and man, the ceiling the tiles fall off. Our children's ministry is second to none. Our youth ministry is blowing it up. It is not about those things as good as those things are. It's about what? It's about what? It's about the grow ability. Things cannot grow unless life is in them. A hundred years ago, when our first high school Sunday school class back in the 1860s, alright? We had oh my gosh, alright. Somebody said, okay, I believe that. Alright, all right, what happened was a man was sitting in this room. And there was a plant on the desk of the, the assist, administrative assistant. And it was one of those classrooms with a door pulls across. All right? I just picked up the plant. I took it into class. And I just held it on my lap as I was talking to these kids. Man, I'm glad you guys are here today. Uh, I think you know everybody. Our new person here today is Johnny Square. And uh, we started talking about it. And so while I was sitting there, I took one of the little, little, little teeny tree. And I abused it a little bit. I broke off one of the little branch. And I just put it down next. Uh, in this, by the soil and touching the tree. It went on with whatever and then, you know, 15, 20 minutes later. See, 15 or 20 minutes later to a pasture could be like six hours. So it, it, it's the opposite of dog years, all right? So I passed that little pot around with all the little plants in there and I just said, man, why don't you observe this? So I, we asked him, man, what, what do you see? Oh, it's withering. Those little leaves are, are drying and withering up. Well, come, it's in the same soil, it's touching the tree. Yeah, but it lost the connection. It lost the life of the plant and the root. It lost this connection. It lost the ability to grow. Whereas we believers, we have the ability to grow up. It means grow up means to increase. It means now that element of life is within us, and it must be acted upon by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It must be acted upon by gifts that God gives to equip the saints, not to attach them to them, themselves, but to grow them up, like growing up our children. Our, our oldest is about to be 40. He reminded me of that yesterday. Dad, I'm about, I'm about to be 40, like, like he was saying. I, <laughs> is that good or bad? I said, well, it's inevitable. Whatever Whatever's going to happen is going to happen here. There's there's a growing up, but then there's a speaking. This growing up comes from the speaking of what? Truth and love that comes from what? We're no longer brittle. We're no longer fragile. We're no longer those who are wondering if somebody's trying to pull a wool over our eyes. We're no longer wondering if this particular doctrine trumps that particular doctrine. Why? Because we've, we've, we've had an experience of the whole counsel of God. I have people tell me the Old Testament is of no use. Not true. Hey, it's not true. All scripture is God breathed. Well, wait a minute. What about the offerings and stuff, man? Look at it. It's all about Jesus. Look at the tabernacle. All about Jesus. It's all about his coming. Adam and Eve, come on. Listen, you get rid of the first three chapters of the book of Genesis, and man, there's an effort to destroy the testimony of God in history. It's all the word of God. Revelation. The young believer talk about you know, giving them like steak instead of milk. Most of them are like, man, I really want to know the book of Revelation. Well, you need to read the Old Testament. What? I just want to know. You need to read because all the imagery comes from the Old Testament. Speaking the truth. How important is speaking? It says, you know what this? In Matthew 12 33, it says, either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its what? What? What is it? Its fruit. It's known by its fruit. Julie and I were sitting under this tree in California. It had been grafted in half-sized with limes, half-sized with lemons. What? It's a great smell. It was awesome. But it wasn't like you go in the grocery store and you go into the produce section. You go, I wonder if those apples are really little cantaloupes. All right, but have a desire to man be uh, All right, We don't do that. The fruit tells us what what it is. Now there's 400 varieties of apples now. That's something a little different from our childhood. But apples are not. See, we, we, do we expect that? And what's the dividing line between the effort of performance, doing good things, and the production of fruit? Sometimes we think, this person's really busy. This person really cares. This person's really involved. This person, this person, this person. And yet, the fruit that he's talking about isn't fruit of sweat or effort, or trying to say at the end of the day, man, I checked all the boxes. Man, I feel good about myself. Or I miss seven boxes and I'm, I'm terrible. That's performance. Fruit is something that what? Is produced because we're connected to the vine. Is being produced in us when we're sleeping. When you cut your finger, when does it start healing? As soon as you cut it. Why? Because the body is about the business of healing. Whether you put Neosporin on it or not, whether you've got a good bandage on it, man, listen, it's not healing while you're paying attention. Its essence is health. Your body's basic line of defense is for health. And yet the body of Christ, man, we have to relearn. Or maybe learn for the first time what is God's view of the body of Christ? What does fruit really look like? And what am I in terms of in my process? Listen, if you're connected through belief in Jesus Christ, you're a part of a fruit-bearing tree. You may not know how. You may not even know when. But your nature has been changed from that what? Of a of a thorn bush into a fruitful tree. You're connected. You're a part of the family. Jesus says, listen, he who believes in me, what? Man becomes a son, becomes a daughter. What? We didn't even do an application. We didn't what? We didn't go to the interview. No. Just believing upon him. Faith connects you with God's family. You've been moved from one side to the other. Again, a fundamental for somebody who's new in Christ. A fundamental for somebody that's an adult that's never had the fundamentals of Christ. Will we be tender enough, vulnerable enough to learn the foundational things that make sense of all the things about purpose and all the things about accomplishment, but they have to come from a foundation that does not shake. It doesn't move. He says what? For the mouth speaks, this is the end of verse 34, out of that which fills your heart. James 3, 2, 4, it says, Man, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able, to bribe the whole body as well. Yes, this boca, this mouth can be man. It sets the world on fire, it says. But it's not designed to speak evil is designed out of what? The image of who God is to speak truth in love. It's designed to say things to the world or to the individual that helps them connect with me. Man, uh, no, helps them connect with him. And that word is that what? That transcends the understanding. You can't talk the sin nature into a new nature. There has to be the revelation of believing in Christ that changes that interior of that human being. And you have a great testimony and I can tell a bazillion stories and most of you have heard my bazillion stories a bazillion times, right? All right? But it's the Word of God. It's the Word of God that stirs up faith. It's not repeating the Word in my mind. It's receiving the word in my heart. The truth, the real, the actual, describes the content of that which is true, as in so and in so and in, and so is in accordance with what actually happened. It describes the reality at the basis of the appearance. They argued with Jesus that he couldn't be the Messiah. They're looking at the Messiah, and they were were saying, you can't be the Messiah because you don't fit what we're looking for. Listen, the world's going to get after you and me, not because we beat them down, but because we speak the truth in love. And we hold fast to that word. We're We're not talking about the letter of the law. We're talking about the words that Jesus spoke where he said, my words are what? My words are spirit and life. That's what we're sharing with the world. Because I'll tell you what, they'll forget your story, they'll forget your testimony. But that word will be that rib, sticking oatmeal of truth. That will hang in there, man, inside of them. And when they've long forgot us, man, it's this thing that begins to work in their heart and mind. Because they find out that God did not send that word to kind of to come back to him without accomplishing what it was sent. Spirit and life. John 6.63 says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. words in the Bible that I would read wrecked me. Even though I didn't understand really what they meant. Because when I got saved, I didn't know Moses from Paul. I really didn't know any of that. It wrecked me. It began to change me. It began to work in me. began to bring what? A grow ability to me. He said there's a contrast though because the purpose is in John 20 he says what? There are many other things John 20 verse 30 many other signs Jesus also was performing in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book but these have been written so that what? You may believe and that what? And that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God and that believing you may have what? Life, Zoe, where we get the word zoology. All right? The essence of life. That you may have life in His name. And that what happens out of knowing Him is fruit production versus performance. And the difference is, performance will point at you. Either you're lack or that you're awesome. But you'll have to tell them it's about Jesus, because the fruit won't show it. But if it's the fruit of Jesus, and the words may come out of your mouth, but you're never going to be the answer. Listen, I've been in a, I've been in a thousand life and death moments with people, hospital, whatever else. A thousand of them. And I'm always thinking, man, okay, God, where's, where do I start? And he always reminds me, I was here before you got here, I'll be here after you leave. There is. We're never the answer. He's the answer. He just wants us there and to look for that little ray of light, that little moment. We'll go to the hospital. And how should I pray? Right, my sister on, the, on her deathbed, her heart had stopped twice, and she looked dead eyes are dead. And on the way over, the Lord said, I haven't given you any heads up about her coming death, have I? I said, no. He said, well, she's going to be alright. She didn't look okay. She looked terrible. All the the buzzers and alarms were going on. So that's what I prayed. My feelings were not in it. No, my feelings were not in it. I put my hand on her next to her neck and I just said, God's said, you're going to be okay. All this stuff's going to change. Wow. Huh? See, Paul said, man, I came to my weakness. Well, I had a physical ailment. and He received me like an angel of God. We think we always have to go in there with a superior superiorness. No, see, power is perfected in our weakness. Listen, what the world wants to see is how you and I react to trials. Because they know, man, there are things in life, especially death, man, it really bothers them. But if we act the same way, I'm not talking about trying to react differently. No. The Bible says count it all joy when you suffer what? Various trials. When's the last time that was your lifestyle? It's never too late. Never too late. But Jesus says in Matthew 7, he says, not everybody that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. And they're saying, wait a minute. Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name perform acts of power, many miracles? He says, and and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Wow. When's the last time, maybe it's today, that Jesus takes your breath away? When do you see him like he really is? And it's like... All your challenges become opportunities. When's the last time that you thought and knew in your heart that you're alive in this generation to make a difference out there? Just like you made a difference if you have kids in those moments you come home from the hospital and you set aside, man, everything figure out, man, is this baby sick? Is this baby wet? Is this baby hungry? Is this baby what? I don't know what. There may be categories I don't even know. And you begin to step step toward that little life because you love them. And if I said, man, raise your hand if you've been hurt by human beings, we'd all raise our hand. Raise your hand if you have hurt human beings, we'd all raise our hand. God has chosen human beings to be what His body can represent what He's done on earth. And if we don't have unity, but it seems so far away. It seems so impossible. We've had people leave us, we've had people change, we've, we've, we've made our mistakes. Man, listen, I've made, I've made a lot of them. But He wants this testimony, not just through this person, that person wants it through the body of Christ. This, folks, is the season of the body of Christ like it hasn't been seen for a long time. The charismatic preacher and teacher man, God bless him. But the testimony is going to be where Jesus put his effort and places his attention and that is the body of Christ. He is the head of the body of Christ and he brings us to that resolution, it says that we grow up in all aspects. What's all aspects mean? It's one three-letter word. All aspects is three letters: P A S. Pass. It means all. We grow up in all aspects in, in. in. but you can't learn that just in the third closet. You can't learn it just on the internet. You have to learn it in the rough and tumble. Jesus said as I've been in the world and that's you that's how you're in the world but we can't be everything to everybody that's why we need each other but will we stick around long enough to be that testimony because in heaven saved as we are redeemed as we are we're still going to have to give it. Precious stones, is it gold, is it silver, or is it burnable items? Shouldn't be afraid, because he's given us what? The best things. The best goal. You struggling with your family? Listen, count it all joy. Struggling with what your future is? Count it all health, count it all money, kind of Place to live, Count it all joy. But don't let your desperation It's okay to say, listen, I'm not equipped. Please help me. Get into a place where they're intentional about equipping saints. Get into a place. Or what? You can learn how to build something. Get into a place where the giftedness in you gets from the inside of your heart onto the outside of your being and begins to affect other people and let them affect you. Amen. changes the whole game kids it does, does that mean you can't have a job or a house or money, I'm not saying that I'm just saying what well, that stuff will not have you and the joy of the Lord so let's have the let's have the uh, professional ushers come forward with the baskets for the offering <laughs> I had to preach my first sermon, uh, church we were part of the, the, the pastor preached in robes, a robe like it was just a robe, like what you wear at graduation, just a up It wasn't like all this other finery. Right? And I had to preach in this robe, man. You, there was nobody more uncomfortable on the planet than me trying to be honest behind that robe, wanting to laugh at myself the whole time. And yet, as awkward as it was, it taught me. That robe taught me. And you know what? God, you're doing more in this situation than making me uncomfortable. God will ask you to step over yourself to come forward with him. So, God doesn't need our money. He doesn't. But there's 3,000 scriptures on money. It says what? Where your treasure that's where your heart is. So this morning, man, says, man, be a joyful giver. It says, that word actually means hilarious. When's the last time you interrupted church because you were laughing so much? Uh, uh, Sarah and Luke had gone to Vermilion. South Dakota were going to do something there. And there's people that they uh, stayed with. Uh, John and I met them some months ago. All right? But once they heard we were going to do something in Vermilion, the first question they asked Luke was, man, when can we start tithing? I laughed about that for an hour. I'd never heard that before. Never heard it before. And you know what? They meant it. It was a beautiful thing. You know what? We can't outgive God, but we can live out of His wallet and not ours. And learn about it. We don't have to be afraid anymore. Father, we just bless you. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to serve you. We just thank you, Lord. And not only do you have it all. But you know, Lord, I'm listening to your Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to do and be obedient only what I do.